Welcome to the first episode of the Loaded and Rolling podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson, enterprise trucking carrier expert here at Freight Waves. And to start things off, just welcome to the show. First episode, super excited. Today, we're going to go over some news headlines and also talk with my guest, senior editorial researcher, Joe Antishak. And it's going to be about the newly released Freight Waves Vehicle Companies directory. That's going to be about electric vehicles. And uh, we'll go over a few different topics. I'm super excited to have them on the show today. And uh, I hope everybody has a really great time checking it out. So let's dive right in. Um, first things first, newsletter topics come straight from the Loaded and Rolling newsletter series. Go check it out, FreightWaves slash Loaded and Rolling. And we're just going to go over a few little quick blurbs here. Uh, first one's going to be enterprise trucking carriers are racing to innovate by basically embracing new technologies and partnerships. So what does that mean to you? Well, I got a few of them. And that's what we're going to kind of go over real quick. Uh, J.B. Hunt, large enterprise carrier, uh, working with an integration and partnership with Keep Trucking for their digital load board, as well as partnering with Google on AI to use machine learning for their pricing and uh, predictive analytics. So trying to get that deep learning, machine learning, AI. I know I'm cramming buzzwords at you, but trust me, if you have a way to figure out how to price things, that is worth its weight in gold. Uh, we've also got a few of them looking at Werner. They've adopted the Edge platform. What you're going to kind of see with all of these four examples here is everyone's going to bring a platform, everyone's going to use technology, and they're going to try to either develop it or partner with somebody for it. So we got Werner with the Edge platform. Uh, APIs for like repair management, investment in the TMS system, uh, mastery logistics systems, and we're looking at mobile fleet development. Everybody needs a driver app. Um, everybody usually tries to get a driver app, and that's something that you definitely want to have for your workflow. US Express launched uh, Express Technologies. They have a digital brokerage platform as well as the digital asset-based fleet variant. Uh, building the trucking company from scratch within a trucking company. Uh, much better than the Russian nesting dolls that we can find, but it's sometimes you want to go that approach when uh, you, if you have a lot of legacy systems or other challenges, you just got to start from scratch. It's fresher, it's better, uh, and will hopefully have better results. Finally, we've got the Schneider Freight Power Digital Load Board and Marketplace. Uh, partnered up as well with the Driver Alcohol Detection System for Safety. What does that mean? It's a long title. Breathalyzers in trucks. They only used eight trucks, I think. But uh, having that is going to be really, really helpful just to try and reduce the risks of drunk driving. Nobody wants to pay uh, hundreds of million dollar settlements if you hit things. So any of that, super, super helpful. So that's the t first story. Second story we're going to talk about from the newsletter series this past week is the component shortage. And so how that's impacting not only Class 8 orders, but as well as electric vehicles. Real fun facts, quick blurb, FTR research said that these Class 8 lower orders hit their lowest total since 1995. What we're talking about here is a 41% drop from the previous month. It's pretty impressive. Uh, we have the graphic here on the Class 8 orders. Here we go. Look to the far right. And if you notice here, we're riding the rails, but... Uh, especially the most recent order data, uh, it's kind of going off the rails in terms of 
these component shortages are really impacting the ability to buy the trucks. Uh, they just don't have the components to make them. So you're gonna see the orders decline because the manufacturers are not either accepting more orders or still trying to work through the backlog that they have. So interesting facts. This is why it's cool with electric vehicles. A normal conventional truck may have like 500 semiconductors. When we move into these electronic vehicles, as you look at the directory and stuff on freight waves, just remember it's gonna take like 5,000 semiconductors. And you ask yourself, Thomas, why 5,000 semiconductors? Well, I tell you that basically they use them for everything in these electric trucks. We've got uh, anything regarding like telematics automation, your doors, windows, uh, HVAC systems. And an interesting thought is that they also use these semiconductors to convert the AC power into DC power, not the band, AC-DC, but convert it to DC power, which is then into the batteries, and then it powers the truck. So super fascinating stuff. Um, if you're an enterprise carrier, we're tying it in because as these guys are making electric vehicles, they're going to also be purchasing them in the future. So it's a good idea to have a heads up on you know, what's coming over the horizon. So now we're going to go into uh, one of my favorite things, the FreightWaves Track Spotlight. Uh, we're going to have a chart coming up in a second. Uh, let me know when we get it live. Boom, we got the chart. So what we're looking at right now is Los Angeles to Chicago drive van. I know for you reefer fans out there, I'm going to get there eventually, but I had to pick one. It's a checkbox, dry or reefer. We'll get there. But important things to see, the quick TLDR, spot rates continue to climb from Los Angeles to Chicago. Uh, to give you an idea, we've leveled out, as you see to the right, at 362 per mile, including fuel. Uh, if you convert that at 2,017 miles, we're looking at about 7,300 bucks. Uh, as you can see right now, this is representative of the Port of LA in Long Beach, which actually handles about 36% of all import, import shipments as of November. Uh, compare that to the Port of New York and New Jersey, which handles like 19% and Savannah, Georgia, which handles 7.6%. So even though we have the infrastructure in place, even though we have all of these imports going through the port of LA, uh, the challenge remains that basically we've been backed up for so long and volumes are so elevated that you know, you're gonna continue to see challenges as all of these transportation providers uh, struggle to maintain the pace. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, the Port of LA and the Port of Long Beach are continuously going to be uh, lead indicators, not only on our import activity, but as you have your downstream effects. So, you know, it, it goes from the container to the warehouse, cross-docked, send it to a DC, and then you're going to look at your distribution center outbound to other parts and regions of the country. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Keep an eye out on it. Keep an eye out on the rate. I wish when I was an analyst, I could get $7,300. That is utterly insane. So now I would like to, uh, moving in, as Monty Python would say, now for something completely different, let's introduce our guest. With me today is Joe Antishak, Senior Editorial Researcher at FreightWaves. Previously was the Editorial Researcher and Multi-Platform Coordinator at Transport Topics. Joe, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me here, Thomas. Uh, congrats on the first show. And also, big congrats getting a Monty Python reference in the first eight minutes of your uh, show series. It's amazing. I was thinking about it in the shower. I was like, I got to sneak this in here. We have to. I'm very glad. Um, 
So let's let's break this thing down here. We've got let me let me read it off real quick. It is our electric vehicle company directory. Um, you know what I've seen and what's on the website develops a landing page, day-to-day -day swings in the EV market, and it's kind of a new method of conveying large amounts of data. What what was it like to work on it? How what went behind the scenes to get this going? Yeah, well, it was pretty fascinating on my end. I mean, I think anyone in a role sort of similar to mine doing research kind of prefers uh, the kind of project that follows a bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, that might sound a little strange, but it's, you know, that's kind of the stuff that is more interesting. You, you learn one thing and that leads you to another thing um, and so on and so forth. That's kind of how the EV space works right now. So going into research, you know, I knew about Tesla. I knew about the big automakers. I knew about some of the, uh, uh, the newer truck makers, Nikola, et cetera. Uh, but I didn't know just how far reaching the industry really was. So it's like right beyond, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, we're talking like semiconductor producers, we're talking battery manufacturers, all these other elements that are in the EV space um, that aren't maybe on the surface level, but that are very, very important. Um, I mean, the US alone has more than a dozen like these micro cap uh, level companies that focus on really niche things, you know, like charging infrastructure or specialty vehicle, you know, powertrains, these, these kinds of things. So um, I thought that was all fascinating to learn about. And hopefully other people will find it useful to have it kind of all in one place. I like, I like the point when you talked about going down the rabbit hole, just because, you know, when you, when you look at these things and you start going into the startup space, like you said, you hit Rivian, you hit Tesla, you hit some of the big guys, and that's the tip of the iceberg. And now, like you said, we're going into these crazy startups that are funded by like a bunch of players, uh, three or four people or something. What, what were some of the cool things you found while you journeyed through the rabbit hole? I mean, we're not talking Alice in Wonderland here, but well, you know, <laughs> what are some cool, cool little tidbits? Yeah, well, um, sort of on like the uh, far out level, things that um, I maybe wasn't expecting, but in hindsight should have been. Uh, I was kind of surprised to learn that based on, you know, public company market caps, uh, Europe is really like a very distant, you know, kind of like third place competitor. Really, it's all North America and Asia in terms of, um, right, these, these market caps of public companies uh, in the EV space. So that sort of got me to thinking that, you know, um, these two continents are really going to be the ones that, uh, that, that kind of determine the, the future of the EV markets. We're talking you know, the US, China, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan. Um, and then I guess you can throw, you could throw in like Germany and the Netherlands in there um, just for good measure from Europe. But yeah. um, the power really is pretty concentrated. Uh, and I, I kind of don't think it's going to, I don't know that it's going to like dissipate throughout the globe more. I think it'll probably concentrate more and more heavily as time goes. Do you, do you think especially, so you're looking at North America and China as the two largest at the moment by a wide margin. Uh, do you think that, are there any, when you did the research with China, are we talking about maybe partnerships? I know in the Chinese market, sometimes you have to have the China version. So if I say loaded and rolling, loaded and rolling in China, trademark. But, you know, do you see any of that? Or do you see like the Asian markets developing this organically on their own? And we're just all at the same, you know, doing the same race, just in different lanes, so to speak. Yeah, well, I think that the answer kind of changes depending on, you know, if we're talking about China or if we're talking about South Korea and Japan, you know, 
Um, I think that partnerships will really be the, you know, the sort of main movement going forward. But, um, you know, with China, I, I think that there is more likelihood that there will be some some sort of separate development uh, com as compared to, you know, South Korea and Japan uh, with the United States. That's really cool. I love that fact. On a random note, actually, Chattanooga, Tennessee, in their public infrastructure, I think they bought some Chinese manufactured electric buses. Don't quote me on that, but it's really cool to see how you're going to get this kind of cross-pollination. And for municipalities and especially trucking carriers, you know, we may see some guys that are going to be on the road that we don't expect just because, like you said, maybe they're the ones who are in the forefront of the specific technology. Um, Comparing about yeah. while you're doing your research, have you noticed on anything from, you know, the, the startups to even the companies, uh, have they mentioned the component shortage? How, how is this impacting this development in R&D? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think that the, the component shortage, I mean, you know, you see plenty of news stories about it. It's obviously hitting the EV space pretty, pretty hard. Um, I mean, and, and one of the things that, that sort of I was just talking about with, uh, you know, Asia versus North America, that kind of deal is that like, I mean, what Asia has above the U.S. really is this manufacturing power, you know, right now. So when it comes to semiconductor production, uh, when it comes to lithium ion battery production, uh, they really have much more of a foothold in that space. So um, you can really, you know, it's, it's not too hard to imagine, uh, you know, over the course of the next couple decades, how um, the need for the parts that Asia is producing for electric vehicles, how that's going to sort of shape uh, kind of global politics. Um, and, you know, uh, the U.S. is already, there are plenty of people in the U.S. that are already kind of, you know, looking to uh, eliminate the need uh, to, to kind of outsource these materials. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, I guess probably uh, the U.S. and just the West at large will look to, um, yeah, produce more of these parts on their own. I think that's a great point you brought up. You know, we see, I think Rivian recently is developing a battery manufacturing plant in Georgia. We see Tesla opening the Gigafactory in Austin. Uh, we're seeing a lot of moves by manufacturers, especially on trying to get the supply chain, like you said, uh, you know, if you got Taiwan as the main manufacturer for your chipsets, or maybe a Chinese or, you know, uh, multinational, those are a few thousand miles away. And if your container ship is backed up, you may want to have something a little bit closer, but you're, like you said, you may take the hit on manufacturing costs. Um, what, what do you think, given the research you've done, I'm super fascinated by the way I love, we had an image over there earlier with uh, kind of the globe. For, for the audience, it's actually interactive. So that's the fun part. You can move this thing around, check it out on the site for sure. Um, and you can locate these companies and find out kind of where by geography. Do you, do you think there's any uh, up and coming ones from your research and your opinion that you see are worth looking into? Or do you think that right now we still have, you know, Tesla, the big ones uh, taking the lead? Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about this a little earlier. Um, I was thinking about really what I would say. I should have been thinking about a Monty Python quote, but <laughs> alas. Uh, so I was kind of thinking about it. And I think generally where I am right now, uh, and this could change just like the EV space is changing all the time. I think I sort of feel like uh, Tesla got in at the right time to be sort of, you know, the major EV powerhouse, right? 
and they're going to continue on, uh, uh, you know, being a major player in this space and just, you know, vehicle production at large. Um, but I, I guess I'm a little bit skeptical that uh, there's going to be another wave of like really important EV companies beyond Tesla. I think where I'm at right now, I think probably Tesla and the, you know, the major automakers, maybe just, you know, one or two of them will kind of uh, ultimately consolidate a lot of the industry, uh, including uh, some truck makers. And then that's kind of where we'll be in you know, 30 years or so. All of that could change. That is just, you know, that's an assumption. Uh, yeah. And again, should have been uh, should have been a Monty Python quote. <laughs> no, some of these come, Tesla's probably going to the Monty Python. It's like, I fear no man. You know, Ugh. we uh, we're talking. Exactly. And like we're talking truck makers. I know a lot of my audience were, you know, enterprise trucking, enterprise trucking carrier, a uh, big word. But when I'm thinking, say I'm the CEO, I know that my shareholders are going to want me to start investing in this stuff. We know that trucks, you know, especially pollution, green energy, et cetera. Um, do you think that there's been any major moves on the electric trucking front? I hear with Tesla, they pushed it back to 2023 for the uh, actual cyber pickup, you know, class eight cyber version. Uh, do you see anybody else potentially releasing earlier? Do you think this is with the component shortages, it's going to continue to be something in the next three to five years we need to keep an eye out on? Yeah. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I think that, that the safest bet, uh, based on recent history would be that the Tesla is going to kind of be first to market with a, a really viable, uh, electric truck product. So, I guess I'm inclined to think that, you know, when they come out with their semi-truck, that's, that's going to be the, the first one that, that fleets can really use uh, writ large. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the space is changing all the time. And, and Tesla is not, you know, uh, totally focused on their own semi-truck, it seems. Um, no offense to anyone who works on that team at Tesla, but it seems like that is not the priority for the company. Um, so anything could happen, you know, something could come to the market faster than that, that, you know, really kind of sets the standard. We'll just have to see. I think you brought up a great point when we talk about Tesla and especially with priorities. Uh, almost it feels to me, like you said, even though the truck itself, the class eight doesn't really seem like a priority. You'd also have to think with their R and D budget that these fuel cells, these battery cells, if they're going to make a better Tesla Roadster, they make a better Tesla Cybertruck then eventually they'll probably slap those fuel cells together, sandwich them up and put them under the rig. So it's almost like, I guess, a win-win scenario for them compared to, you know, maybe a Daimler, a GM, or some OEM truck manufacturer who specializes, but then they still have to work out the kinks. Exactly, exactly right. And, and you know, Tesla has that sort of vertical integration benefit just throughout their their whole company. Um, and, and the other thing, right, we were talking about R&D earlier. I mean, that that's sort of uh, like the, the R&D into EVs um, has applications just sort of like throughout uh, our economy. You know, like the, the research that is done on making zero emission vehicles and fleshing out sort of the, the infrastructure that will enable that kind of transition, um, I think will have wider reaching implications for just like our energy markets in general. You know, like we're going to be able to do more um, and so it's going to, it's going to really ripple, I think, throughout the economy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, kind of closing thoughts as well. We've talked about electronic vehicles and you also mentioned, uh, the research going into the actual recharging stations. 
Um, what do you think, do you think there's anybody in that space that could be pulling ahead or do you think you'll see like Tesla making a Tesla brand recharging station? Yeah, um, I hate to be so one note here, but I think, I mean, yeah, Tesla's charging infrastructure is probably going to be um, probably the standard bearer, I would imagine. Um, and, and sort of for the same reason that we were just talking about with, with trucks, I mean, the, the sort of integration of all their parts and just the amount of capital they have kind of at their, uh, at their hand, uh, you got to think they're, they're going to kind of be the, the number one. So, I mean, there's a chance they could like, acquire a smaller charging infrastructure company or whatever, um, if needed. But I think they, they probably will be the ones to really start expanding that, that infrastructure across the U.S. at least. It's going to be really exciting. Um, I know that definitely we're going to have to, I appreciate you coming on. I uh, really do. Uh, make sure that I get here, uh, find you on LinkedIn. So you got to, I don't have the link up here, but if you want to look, linkedin.com slash forward slash Joe Antishak. And then you could also email you at jantashak at freightwaves.com. Are there any other ways to reach out that you'd prefer uh, if anybody wants to partner up or do white papers? Uh, email is probably the best way. Um, but, but truly, I mean, you know, if you're interested in this directory or and anything else we have going on research-wise, just shoot me an email. And if I'm not the right person, I can certainly find you, you know, the right person to talk to. So, yeah, certainly feel free to email me. Perfect. Well, sir, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, that was uh, Joe Antishak, one of our uh, senior researchers here at FreightWaves, and uh, hope to have you on again in the future. Can't wait. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you. So moving final thoughts right now. I know we got a little bit of time left. Uh, it was a really, really amazing interview with Joe. I think that, especially with what FreightWaves is doing, uh, researching the vehicle space, there's also one on automation, and then they're working on one with a carrier list something to keep an eye out on. Uh, I know kind of the general topics and trends where Tesla is almost the the, the one to beat. Uh, it's going to be super exciting to see how that develops. It's, it's going to be a tough thing being that leader. There's a lot of great expectations placed on it. And then you also see, like Joe said, there's a lot of upstarts and people in the Asian sphere as well as European sphere that are also doing development work that you kind of want to keep an eye on as well just because there's so much funding going on and there's so much incentives right now to you know, work out this, this uh, technology, work out this infrastructure. And I, I really do believe it's very important as well from an enterprise carrier standpoint, because you know, what we're getting here is uh, an idea of towards where the future is headed. You know, when we see these things, it's similar to how uh, we're talking about early days of the internet or something else where you know, we're looking at it, we're talking about it, it may still be five to 10 years away, but it's on the horizon. And it's definitely something that you kind of, from a C-suite down, positioning is going to be very, very important as we make this transition. And so uh, next newsletter, keep an eye out for it, releasing tomorrow, if you're interested. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, M&A acquisitions, mergers and acquisitions in the trucking space. Why is it so hot? Why do they take this huge bundle of money and invest it or buy out other companies? And, you know, just some of the challenges that trucking especially faces when they have a record year and they have, you know, you right now you're looking at unprecedented time in terms of revenue and profits. And so too much of a good thing. Now you're forced to have to deploy that capital uh, just because if you're a publicly traded company, shareholders are going to want you to use that money to make more money, especially with inflation and everything else that we're dealing with. Uh, during these unprecedented times. 
And so that's a wrap for the show today, everybody. I appreciate you all coming in and checking it out. You can find me or FreightWaves as well at freightwaves.com forward slash loaded and rolling. Add little spaces in there where you can Google it. Thankfully, our search engine optimization is pretty good with that. You can also hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter, Thomas Watson 7 And if anything else, if anyone would like to be on the show, uh, email me at twatson at freightwaves.com. Uh, should be on the profile stuff for Loaded and Rolling. And that is episode number one. Appreciate everybody who tuned in and joined. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day.